It is Wednesday, August 17th. Welcome to another edition of Baseball Today. Chris Rose, the main host here. He's doing NFL stuff again, so I brought my pal Jerry. Just another Ohioan coming in to save the day. Jerry, what's going on, my guy? Oh, I'm happy to fill in the Clevelanders role here. I'm I'm very happy. It's perfect weather here in Ohio. High of like 80 every day for a while. Like this is trending towards fall, which is my favorite. Mm. The leaves start to change. So I'm a very happy man. It is like 100 degrees out here. I'm a little jealous. I'm trying to get some golf in today. I don't know if that's a good idea or not. That is one sport that makes me look silly. Speaking of looking silly, Dan, go ahead and roll the footage here. For the people that are on the AMP-only version, we got another guy from Ohio, Jake Paul, taking some hacks before the Miami Marlins game. And this is just another – it's not Jake's fault, okay? This is just another example of why baseball is like the most difficult sport in the world. Jake looks pretty good in a boxing ring, but you put him out on the baseball field. Looks pretty foolish. Jerry, two things. Number one, I need you to rate his swing out of 10. And then after that, I want you to tell us what sport makes you look foolish. So uh, rating his swing, his swing is as far as celebrity uh, swings goes, it's not that bad. Uh, I give it a three and a half. <laughs> uh, I've That's seen some bad, zeros. Jerry. I mean, I've seen some zeros. You know, baseball's different, dude. How many times have you seen a, a, a professional athlete from another sport come to your stadium and try to throw out first pitch and they're considered the best athletes on the planet and then you see them throw a ball? Like, how many times have you been like, ooh? A lot. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> a lot. It's, it's different. Baseball's different, man. And hitting a baseball is the hardest thing to do in all of sports. I, we started a debate. It's not even close, man. Like tennis is is really difficult, but your racket's this big. You can make contact. Uh, hockey is crazy, <laughs> but you get a big stick. Like you you got, you know, it's smaller, whatever the case may be. It mostly stays on the ground. Uh, baseball, hitting a baseball is different. You talked about, uh, there's not many sports that I would look foolish doing. Like mm-hmm. obviously- the the mma boxing that kind of stuff but like hitting bp i don't know what the equivalent would be golf you can swing a golf club i had two skiing what about, shoot, I've never what about shooting the basketball around like if do you look can you got handles like what do i could i mean i could shoot a basketball and look like i know what i'm doing i played some high school ball i still like to shoot the basketball i look the part i'm not gonna you know i'm not gonna pull out a steph curry dribbling exposition at all uh but skiing, I've never been skiing. So any any type of being on snow, I'm in Ohio. We talked about this is glacier flattened land. We don't have many <laughs> hills or mountains for me to, to, to slide down. We go sledding here. We have like a hill and we'll just jump on a sled. So skiing or like horse racing. I'm, I'm intimidated <laughs> by horses. I'm too tall to be a jockey, something like that. Like I would just look ridiculous on the back of a horse trying to, to win the Kentucky Derby. That is so true. Seeing you on a horse. Although, like I think about Gandalf on Shadow Facts, you just need a big horse. You need a big horse. I would need, I would need a I don't know how many hands, but lots of hands. That's how they measure height, right? You yeah, you heard it here first. Baseball players are the most well-rounded athletes on the planet. I agree. Couldn't agree more. Just different, different type of athleticism. 
end the show. That's all I really wanted to say on this, on this version. <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> all right, let's get into it, Jerry. Yes, sir. We're going to start out in Atlanta. Uh, your Mets are playing your Braves. I don't know how you feel about this series, but we're going to start by saying congrats to Michael Harris II. Get you the bag. Play at eight years, $72 million. Uh, it's another step, Jerry, in like that windowless open-air concept that the Braves have constructed over the last couple of years. Uh, they've taken two of four so far from the Mets. I know they have Scherzer and DeGrom. People, relax. Uh, they're three and a half games back right now in the division. I'm not going to ask you if they're going to win the division. What I'm going to ask you is, at any point during these last seven weeks, do you think they lay claim to at least a share of the division lead? Um. God, yeah, first of all, congrats to Michael Harris. Congrats to the Atlanta Braves, dude. They just keep doing it. It's unbelievable. Obviously, this one's a gamble for both parties um, because he's got just a cup of coffee, but he's electric. Um, their window is, oh, I thought you nailed it with that, like open concept. Uh, brilliant. Do I, th I think this is no offense to the question. I think it's an ir irrelevant question. Do I think okay. they have share a lead at one point i don't so my answer would be no but i okay. still think the braves are a legit world series contender man i think their team is incredible and from the looks of it they're going to be world series contenders for years to come spencer strider's the real deal uh the thing the reason they have some limits on strider that they're going to have to to confront but Soroka's coming back freed still on the dl or il excuse me uh, I, I, I think the Braves are the real deal, uh, but I don't think they ever catch the Mets. I'll, I could look foolish in three days or four days, whatever the case may be. Uh, but I, I think I believe in the Mets, even though they just lost Carrasco and Taiwan Walker for, for a stretch here. I think you just nailed it right there. They have to do it. If they're going to have any share to lead, it's got to be within the next like seven days because the Mets do have a, a daunting schedule coming up. Um, they go, uh, have to finish with Atlanta. Then they have Phillies and then New York, the Yankees. They're still a decent team, even though they've been still going like to be that. a battle. It always and is. These are, and these are all on the road. So the Braves are going to have to, you know, like I said, beat the Mets the next couple of days and then get on a roll of their own. Although they're playing Houston, Another reason why I don't think it happens for them, well, you have the stoppers in DeGrom and Scherzer. So, like, you're not going to go on any extended uh, losing streaks if you're the Mets. It's just not going to happen because you have those two guys. And then also, if you look at the schedule, they got a ton of games against teams under 500. I think it's like 28 or 29 games left out of, like, the 50 or 40-something against – sub 500 teams. So the schedule plays out in their favor. And I really do believe, like I said – the way that you hold on to leads is having those guys that you can rely on to stop any sort of losing streak. It's, it's going to be very tough for them to get swept at any point going forward. So I don't believe that they relinquish the lead. I do agree with you that the Braves are 100% legitimate World Series contenders. And I love this matchup. I love watching them play baseball. Both teams are great. Um, maybe we'll get to see it in the postseason. I think we might. It's, it's juicy. It's great baseball, man. Uh, even though the Braves have just whooped the Mets butts these last two games, uh, it's it's got significance all the time in the NL East, and they're two great teams playing baseball. We got to love it. Well, Strider said it best. Who cares about August? We'll see what happens in October. He said Absolutely. Yeah, I want to make uh, one more point about this whole Michael Harris thing and what they've been able to do. Grant McCauley, who covers the Braves um, on Twitter, put out a great tweet. 
the Braves have now allotted $452 million to Matt Olson, Austin Riley, and Michael Harris. And he says to put this in perspective, Juan Soto could command a $450 million contract when he reaches free agency. That's one player. Mike Trout signed the 12-year 426 extension in 2019. So what he's saying is the Braves are spending money, but they're spending it earlier and they're spending it on multiple players instead of going after the one big fish. And they have, I mean, dude, Acuna making a hundred million dollars over 10 years or whatever it is like Michael Harris. Now, like the, I think the most his salary gets up to is like $12 million. And that's like at the end, end of this, they have everyone locked up until at least 2026, mostly to like 2028. Like this is, they got it going on in Atlanta. They right do. So well, we could dive deep to that because you know, Dansby's coming off the books. They the Morton, they'll have some guys in the rotation, but do they have the pockets deep enough to fill those with top end guys? Probably. We'll see though. They're probably just gonna dip into their minor league system. Some guy will come up and then they'll just say, Hey, here's some money. Look at that's a great what, point. What's the guy? Grissom just came up. My Grissom's goodness. doing it. Kyle Wright's starting to, to show his 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 top end ability. So yeah, they're they're good. And Soroka. I think he struck out eight of nine hitters in his first rehab stuff. Yeah, he had uh, three innings. <laughs> he struck out eight. Uh, That's people joke. forget how good he is. And it was nothing to do with his arm. It was an Achilles injury. Twice, yeah, scary stuff. I, I wish it him the best. He's a, he's a great dude. Great guy. All right, Big enough fan. about the Braves. Canadian boy. I love that. I love Canadians. Speaking of winning the division, Jer, MLB announced his playoff schedule. The one and two seeds will have the bye. But they're getting six off days between the end of the regular season and the start of the divisional round. Are we so sure that that's an advantage? So How do you feel about that? I think it is an advantage, but not because of the layoff. The layoff will be a little bit long. They'll have to play some uh, inner squad games, or they'll bring some guys to play real, like simulated baseball. But it's a huge advantage because the teams that are going to come in to play them are going to be like on the back end of their rotation. They're going to have to play They're put their first two top end bull or starters out there. And then they're going to come in and face, you know, for the, the Mets, they're going to have to face Scherzer and Negrom with their three, four or five starter, most likely in their first two. So it is an advantage because they'll have their, their rotation set front end, like top ready to go. I agree with that. So I was kind of looking at the schedule. So, uh, the first game will start October 7th. That's a Friday. So 7th, 8th, and 9th for the wild cards. Three consecutive days all at the home city. Now, say you go 1-2 and you win the first two games. Okay, then you have that Sunday off and the Monday off before you start on Tuesday. Could you realistically go three and then bring back 1-2, right? So that would be on three days rest. Well, no, it would be on four days rest for your one, I believe, because then that game would be the next game would be on Wednesday. So you pitch Friday and then Wednesday again. So Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and then pitch on Wednesday. Uh, I mean, yes, you could do it, but then you would force that to be an absolute must win because he's not going to be able to pitch if unless you want to pitch him on short rest again at the end of that series. Don't you have to do that if you want to try to get You have to do it because it's it's a win now kind of you set, can't, you set can't, up. You can't wait to throw him on the third day because then you don't have the option to bring him back for you know the rest of the series. Because it's only a Correct. five game set, right? Yep. That's a I, I which I hate, by the way. I wish the division series was a seven game set. Um, but you know, it is what it is. I think 
I still think it's an advantage to have your, 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 your rotation set up. So the six days I would sacrifice that to have my one, two ready to go. Yeah, I, I think you're right about it. And I guess the question was more about the layoff and how that affects. Um, you You would know more as a position player, as a bullpen guy, it's, I would, I hate it because that's a long stretch to not face any, I needed to be out there at least every third day. So I would make sure I'm getting off the hill facing, you know, a hitter at least every three days. How, as a position player, is that a big layoff? I think so. And you're right that you have to do, you have to do some simulated games. You'd have to face live pitching. That's the only way to do it. If you had six days off and you're just hitting batting practice, you're in the cage, you're going to, you're not going to feel good. I think a couple of days where you, maybe you don't do anything, get the body right. And then you have to get back into it. I mean, you would know more than me, Jerry. I never played the postseason, bro. So like, did you ever have a once? layoff like that? Not once. Oh, it's incredible. I'm so sorry. That's sad. I, I am legitimately sad because I am too. <laughs> there is nothing like being in the playoffs. Like you good, meaningful baseball in September is the pinnacle. If you've never been to the playoffs and then it just gets to another level, man. Uh, you're it, it is all it's the best it's the best that, that you can have um but that layoff is weird because you start to simulate games uh i would say that you need to play an actual game where you get play defense too because then the game slows down the playoffs with all the commercial breaks you sure. have to you have to be prepared because you don't want anything to be a surprise um, we saw what Garrett Cole goes through if you if the anthem runs a little bit long. Uh, so, so imagine what it's like if you're out there on defense and they have like a four minute commercial break and you're you're standing around getting you know uh, on your heels a little bit. So you you gotta you gotta stay sharp baseball wise. Yeah, you know we'll move on. I think one more point I want to make on this is you can simulate games all you want. It's not the same as playing. Like the lights aren't on. You know, like the cameras aren't on. So it's a little bit different, but you got to do something. I'll be, it's going to be interesting to see what teams do. Six days is is quite a bit of time. There'll be some strategy, man. It'll be interesting because every team is probably going to have a little bit of a different approach. Speaking of strategy, or how about no strategy? The White Sox. All right. They've won five in a row, including two nice victories against the Astros um, on the other side of. NL Central, the Brewers walked it off against the Dodgers in extra. A little Caratini walk-off blooper in front of bats. How about that read from Renfro? My goodness. Let's, let's talk about that in a little bit. Uh, the White Sox are one game out in the Central. The Brewers are two out in the NL Central. Uh, they're both one back of the third wild card spot. So my question to you, Jerry, is who do you believe in more? And then is there something to be said about having to battle the last couple months of the season as opposed to coasting into the playoffs? Okay, who who do I believe? Give me the options on who do I believe in more? White Sox, Brewers. Okay, so I would say, gosh, I would, <laughs> I want to say Brewers, but when they traded Hater, it makes me not want to root for them. Like we talked about <laughs> it last time, I don't want to root for a team that gets rid of one of their best players to have success. I just can't understand it. Um, but the White Sox, we also talked about how poorly they were playing and how lost that they looked but it seems they may have righted the ship on this little run which is very capable i still believe in their roster um i'm gonna give it to the brewers uh just at this point just because i I, they've they've had success they've carried it over and for the white Sox to have this success they have to have changed the culture 
overnight. Very capable of doing it. Uh, I just haven't seen enough to say I believe in it just yet. All right. I'm going to do something I'm not allowed to do when Chris Rose is on the show. I love this. I'm going to say both. I believe in <laughs> both of these Oh, you teams. believe in both. Okay. The White Sox had their moment, Jerry. The last time you were on here, we talked. They need a moment. Johnny Cueto calling them out for a lack of fire. Something that Tony La Russa should have done months ago. You brought this up to me in a text. There's no fire on this team. Johnny Cueto said it. And then Lucas Giolito said it. And then Andrew Vaughn said it. And then it becomes a thing. We got to get the fire back. They've done it. Five in a row, like I said, including two really, really nice victories against the Astros. There's just too much talent. The only thing that scares me a little bit is when I watch Eloy Jimenez play left field. I'm, I don't really like that. Watch him um, run the bases. It'll make you feel good about him playing the outfield. Oh, man. But, you know, like you said, a very talented roster. I can see them get it going. As far as the Brewers, same thing. Um, you know, I think they can get on a run. I like the chemistry they have. That's The lack of fire has never been their problem. Clubhouse chemistry has never been their problem. They're a very tight-knit team. I think they can get it going. Um, I like both these teams. Now, do they have the on-paper roster to compete against – you know, the Mets, the Dodgers, and the Astros. No, they don't. But this is baseball, people. And you get a couple of good pitching performances. Some offenses go cold and things happen. So I'm rooting for both of these teams. You know I picked them to be in the World Series. Uh, and looks like they're kind of getting it going. Christian Yelich breaking out of the slump. Massive I love homer. seeing that. I love seeing Yelly play. Gosh, he hit it That's so huge. Far. They need it so bad. So what do you think about the two months, you know, kind of battling going into the playoffs? Because the numbers say that it, is, it doesn't matter. I, you, I need to see that article. The playoffs. Where, who says that? What numbers? I, I'll get. I'll send you the article. Okay, please do because I feel like we talked about that layoff, uh, those six days. How important that is, and how it feels like a disadvantage. Playing good baseball for the run is important. Um, we saw it with the Braves winning the World Series as a wild card team. They turned it on in the second half. We saw it with the Nationals starting horrendously and then turning it on and winning the World Series. They played really good. Obviously, if you're a great team like the Dodgers uh, that have just set themselves up, you're going to be great no matter uh, – so I, I I don't know. I'll have to read that. But I still think it's important to be playing good baseball, maybe not for two months, but at least the last two, three weeks going in to to set yourself up for remembering what it takes to win baseball games. Yeah, I think there's something to be said about like, you know, having the, that edge and understanding like the pressure that's going to come during the postseason. Now, again, I never played in the postseason, but I would assume there's a lot of pressure once it comes down to it. You know, if, you, if you're playing through that in September, I think it makes it a little bit easier as you go into October. Although I do, I will say, I think it's team to team. Like the Dodgers, like you said, they could just flip it on like a light switch, bro. They, they know what it takes. They've done it for so long. Everybody on that team is already know, knows what it takes to be successful in the postseason. So, but a team that's coming in might just be like, they're happy to be there. You know what I mean? It, it's all brand new. That Like you said, the lights are shining brighter. Your day, your routine is different in the postseason because you have so many uh, media outlets in there. So it messes with your preparedness. So uh, yeah, I think it's important to, to lead up playing good baseball, especially for a young team that might not have been in the postseason before. Speaking of a team that hasn't been in the postseason in quite some time, Jerry, let's move on. The Orioles preseason win total in Vegas was 62. They won their 61st game last night. They sit 
a half game back of Toronto for the last wild card spot in the AL. My question to you, Jerry, is simple. What the hell did we miss about <laughs> this team? What did we miss? I, I don't know, man. I did not see it coming. I still don't see it when I look on the on their roster resource. I'm looking at their fan graphs and I'm I'm looking. They're pretty good, man. I didn't see it. I don't see it. Their rotation is not great. Um, Jordan Lyles has been their ace. Is that their ace? I, I just think they they've come together sooner than everybody thought they've just been so bad for so long that we, you know, give props to, to their team for putting it together. But Adley uh, Rushman, their guy came up and, and played great. They've, they've had really good scouting and development, but I, I don't know. They're, they're, they're better than we thought. And I'll admit that I was wrong about them. I think you kind of hit it. I think Adley Rushman coming up when he came up, has changed this team. Now they've had, they had some good things going. They were playing great defense. Jorge Mateo has been a guy that I've said now is like coach ball game used to say, Manny Margot's your ooze and Oz guy. Jorge Mateo is my ooze and Oz guy. Now, when I watch the guy play baseball, I'm like, damn, that's a lot of fun. Okay. Adley Rushman came up. The Euros were 24 and 35. Okay. He came up, struggled a little bit at the beginning, but then found his footing and like, kind of like, uh, Julio Rodriguez, not on the same level because Julio Rodriguez is, I don't know. I mean, maybe they are on the same level. Just these guys are future superstars. Julio Rodriguez changed things for the Mariners as well. Like sometimes when you get a young guy to come up and bring that energy, that's kind of all you need. Mix that with a little bit of bullpen, maybe a little bit of luck here and there. And the Orioles have just, I mean, Jerry, they could win tonight and pass the Blue Jays in the third wild card spot. It's insane. I'm looking at their 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 uh schedule and results page on baseball reference uh they're they're 17 and 19 in one run games so that's out the window the mariners last year who were like the surprise team they won every single one run game this is not the case here uh in interleague they were 10 and 7 so they're not beating up on the nl like i i just they've progressively just gotten better and better and better and maybe it's as simple as they just started tasting success and it tastes good I think so. I, I want to give Rushman. Is that how you say it? Rushman? I say Rutschman. Rutschman? I, I honestly don't know. I've heard it pronounced both ways. I'll just say Adley. Uh, I'm surprised you didn't get to say your favorite name in the show and say Taryn Vavra. Mm. I was waiting for it. I was waiting for you to, <laughs> to say it. Okay. I was going to. <laughs> I, I like a man and they're, and they're, they're exciting. It, it, you, you talk about, Young players coming up. You saw it with Matt Chapman. Guys can come up and light a fire, uh, especially when your young guys are capable and want to win. They will push guys that are there that, you know, uh, might not have been believing in a team. They're like, hey, man, anything can happen. Let's just play baseball. And I think that's a little bit of what's going on there. It's a fun culture, man. I, I like rooting for, you know, for Baltimore. It's, it's exciting. And then kind of as an offense, you start to bang the ball around and you get a lead and you got a bullpen that can conserve your lead. That is huge because I've been on teams where it's not that way, where as an offense, you're like, dude, we got to keep going and keep going and keep going. When you have a lockdown bullpen, like they do, even with trading Lopez, they still got, I mean, these guys are having incredible years. Bautista, Tate, Perez, Keegan Aiken, like to name a few. 
Like they yeah. have a lockdown bullpen. It's a great feeling offensively, like saying, let's just push a couple across. Let's get the lead and let's go play D. Yeah. That's it's bigger and better than it's it's it just takes that pressure off you as opposed to saying we got to keep scoring and we gotta <laughs> and we gotta hold them. You know, it's like it just the pressure is gone. I think they're having fun right now. You got to give some credit to Brandon Hyde, right? Absolutely. I like to credit managers, but he is stuck with them. He's had their back and he's making these guys feel comfortable there. Yeah, you I think you you nailed it with the bullpen. You know, as a bullpen guy, we were on some terrible teams in Oakland when I was first coming up, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. But we always had a good bullpen that kept us in games one, two runs, plus or minus. We stayed right there. And that allows you to win ball games at the end. That allows you to come back or preserve leads. Uh, and they've got really good back end of their bullpen. Uh, even their like their their middle guys, uh, the Cyanel Perez, like they just can pitch. They can come in and lock it down. So that that does take a ton of pressure off, and it allows you to feel like you can win. Even the games you talk about, those one run games that you lose, you feel like you can win, and that's important because you you're chasing it down. So uh, yeah, man, they've got a good formula there. I, I reference this team all the time, but you go back to like the Tigers teams in like the 12, 13, 14 when they had everything except the bullpen and they, and like they lost a lot of games because the bullpen, they had like one of the best off the get go look at their pitching staff. It was like Scherzer price, uh, Verlander, uh, Porcello. I'm missing somebody else. Uh, Annabelle Sanchez. Like these guys were just on fire. They had Miguel Cabrera, Victor Martinez, uh, Magdi Ordonez, like Prince Fielder, like the, it's crazy. They crushed you me. Know. They, uh, they, they ruined my hopes and dreams in 12 and 13 in the playoffs with the A's. Uh, their bullpen, the bullpen was insane. And they put Scherzer in the bullpen in, in the back end of one of those games and dominated us. But their, but their bullpen in some of those years would cost them a lot of games, and they'd Correct. have to continue to go. So that's how important a bullpen is. Orioles, defense, bullpen, I don't know what else. Magic. Magic. they are. All right, let's end the YouTube portion of our show with some positive content. You and I are now both baseball dads and coaches. So what's the one piece of advice you'd give to all the youth coaches out there? So uh, all the youth coaches. Okay, I didn't understand the clarity of your question because okay. uh, you asked about what's the best advice that you got. So the, the one thing I would give to you. It's a two-parter, youth... Jerry. It's a two-parter. Okay, yeah. got it. So the, the <laughs> one piece of advice I would get to youth coaches is to make it fun, man show them what it looks like. You might try to tell them baseball talk is weird because everything is foreign. You're like, get your arms up, get the elbow up, bitch your bat up, get your front side in. These things are weird for kids. Show them. If you want a kid to do it, grab a bat and be like, look, put your, put your arm here, get the bat here. Uh, and then just make it fun, man. Don't try to overcoach them. Just put the ball on the tee and tell them to hit it. Tell them which direction to run, have fun. Don't yell. Just enjoy them. Get them a, a love for the game, a love for the action that is. 100%. I think uh, another piece of advice that my dad gave me as far as coaching the kids, work work with the kids that are your worst players. Give extra special attention to them because you need them to love the game. Make sure it's extra special fun for them because at the beginning when they're struggling, it's not fun at all. And they don't want to be there. So you really have to give love to those kids. You got to make sure you do that because I see a lot of guys just kind of try to hide those guys and they just work with their best players and stuff. 
you got to make these kids love the game. It, I mean, it's going to help them and it's also going to help your team. You want these guys to be like wanting to come and have fun and, and love the game. And when you're not having success, it's really hard to do that. That's great uh, advice. Yeah. Yeah. You're, it's not about winning. It's about developing a love for the game. Love it. Okay. Last really quickly, best advice you received as a ball player. Okay. Best advice I received as a ball player is uh, I learned how to evaluate myself to truly look myself in the mirror and recognize what I do well, what I don't do well, the areas that I work hard in and the areas that I don't. That was the, the number one piece of advice is to truly be able to evaluate yourself because that's the only way you're going to get better uh, is to know what you don't do or know what you're not doing and to not let your ego get in the way of advancing. So uh, truly learning how to evaluate yourself and your shortcomings as well as your your successes was what elevated me from pretty good to a being able to make it and stay in the big leagues. I love it, Jerry. You're the best. I appreciate you filling in for Chris Rose today. Uh, on behalf of Jerry Blevins, on behalf of our super producer, Dan Rourke, I am Trevor Plouffe signing off. We'll see you tomorrow, 830 Pacific, 1130 Eastern here on Baseball Today.